For over 50 years, people have relied on Village Green Apothecary to give them individualized nutrition, pharmacy, and healthy living products. Village Green provides you with the kind of personalized help and attention that mass market pharmacies have long ago forgotten. You can depend on us for knowledge, experience, product selection, customer service, and a smile. Visit Village Green in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or call us at 301-530-0800 or go to our website at myvillagegreen.com. We're here to help you. Welcome listeners to the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. I'm Dana Lake and I alternate the show with Dr. Kevin Passaro. We're here every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Next week, I'll be with you again discussing the root causes of today's health crises. Now, today, our esteemed guest is Dr. Mark Hyman. He is a physician in New York Times, best-selling author 10 times, internationally recognized leader, speaker, educator, and advocate in the field of functional medicine. We are very proud to have you here, and I wanted to, to say a little bit more about you, Dr. Hyman. You're a practicing physician, and you also, uh, you're the Pritzker Foundation Chair in Functional Medicine at the Cleveland Clinic Learner College of Medicine and director of the Cleveland Clinic Center for Functional Medicine. You are also the founder of Alter Wellness Center, chairman of the Institute for Functional Medicine, medical editor of the Huffington, Huffington Post, and a regular medical contributor in the media for CBS, This Morning, Good Morning America, CNN, The Dr. Oz Show, and much more. Welcome to the show. Well, I'm so happy to be here. Well, you always have a lot of good information, and I always like interviewing you. I like looking and reading your books, looking at and reading your books. You've got a lot of information on your website, and a lot of information in the news. So where do you want to start today? We can talk about your current book. Maybe you'd like to talk more about that one. Food, What the Heck Should I Eat? I like the title. Yes. Well, we're, you know, we're so confused about food. We, we are uh, always trying to figure out what the heck should we eat, which is really why I wrote the book with that title, because we hear so much conflicting information. You know, one day eggs are bad for you, then they're good for you. One day oatmeal's good for you, then it's bad for you. One day we shouldn't be eating cholesterol, then cholesterol's okay. One day dairy's great for you, and then it's terrible for you. Like, how do, how do people actually sort through it all, and why are we actually getting such conflicting information? It's really not our fault, honestly, and it's, it's a combination of factors, but it's driven by a corrupt system, which is the food industry, Everything from big ag, this is how we grow our food, to the industrial food producers, processed food, to our government policies all drive this crisis of confusion. And it leads to the production of foods which are really harming us. So I think that's really important for us to understand that it's not really our fault and that science is corrupt. And, you know, when you think you read something in the paper and it's some study, you've got to go, well, who funded the study? If the food industry funded the study, it's going to be 8 to 50 times more likely to show a positive benefit for the product. If the Dairy Council funds a study on milk, guess what? It's the best thing ever. If Coca-Cola funds a study on 
soda, whether it's connected to weight gain or obesity, guess what? They're going to find that it has no relationship to those things. So we, we really are kind of stuck as consumers, and we have to sort of have some way to navigate through it. And that's really why I wrote the book. And I go through why we're in this mess, why we're confused. But then I, I also go through what to eat, because in each category, what about meat? What about poultry, fish, vegetables, beans, grains, nuts, seeds, beverage? Like, what should we know about each of these categories? And how do we take care of ourselves in all of it? And what does the science say? And how do we, how do we make sense of it all? I'm glad you mentioned the science, because uh, in 2015, 2016, when the Institute of Medicine reversed their recommendations based on invalid studies and studies they could not repeat uh, and, and validate, they changed their long prohibitions on cholesterol, fat, eggs, and salt. And I was delighted because my handouts for almost 50 years have said exactly what they are now recommending. And it's an enigma to me that we went more than 50 years with false recommendations. And one of the members of the Institute of Medicine looked at the chairman and said, we're really not going to tell people we've been that wrong. <laughs> they said, we have to. Uh, talk a, li- <laughs> talk well, they, a little bit. They made bit. a funny statement, right? In the, in, the, in the dietary guidelines, they were sort of dismissed this whole idea of cholesterol by saying it's, quote, no longer a nutrient of concern, which is hysterical to me after 35 years of telling people how horrible it was. It's like, oops, sorry, guys, you know, we sorry, we're sorry, recommended you suffer through all those tasteless egg white omelets for all these years. Yeah, it's, it's really appalling. I saw a, a quote from somebody that said, eating an egg a day is like smoking a pack of cigarettes every day. <laughs> without yeah, no, any basis. No. So <laughs> I, I talk about this woman in my book, which is sort of an example of how funny this is. She was died at 117 at the time. She was the oldest um, woman alive or person alive. And she was told when she was like a teenager to eat three eggs a day because she was anemic. And so she did that for the next hundred years. And <laughs> she probably had a hundred thousand eggs in her life. And I mean, who knows? Maybe she would live to be 150 if she didn't eat the eggs, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, there, there are those examples. Uh, you can't beat good genes, can you? Mm-hmm. Let's talk more about the book and about your recommendations and about the controversies. Yeah, so I think you know we do have we do have significant controversies around a lot of things, and I can kind of tackle a couple of them. Sort of an example, uh, one of them is sort of the whole issue of vegan versus meat eating, that I think people are confused about, and I think that it's really the result of of sort of um, sort of assumptions that took us down a road that meat is bad, and so at the beginning we we were taught that uh, red meat is bad because it contains saturated fat, saturated fat raises cholesterol, cholesterol causes heart disease, therefore meat is bad. And I think that whole logic was never proven. It was just an assumption. And, and it turns out that the whole theory of saturated fat has been debunked as a cause of heart disease. Even, you know, Dr. Steve Nissen, who's a colleague of mine at Cleveland Clinic, he's basically said, I think we got the whole story wrong on fat and even on saturated fat. And he's written about this. And here he is, the top cardiologist at the top heart institute in the world saying, oops, uh, saturated fat, not the boogeyman we thought it was. This actually starts in sugar. And, and so the data has just been coming out 
in, in droves about this. Uh, 17 meta-analyses looking at all the data on saturated fat found no connection. Uh, a large study, butter, for example, looking at butter, 6.5 million patient years, um, 600,000 people looking at whether there's a connection between butter consumption and heart disease. And they found absolutely no connection. And there was, there was actually an inverse relationship with diabetes, meaning the more butter you had, the less diabetes risk you have. Another study, 135,000 people, 18 countries, five continents, looking at intakes of various foods, found that actually saturated fat on animal protein led to a reduction in death, whereas people who consume more cereal grains, which is what we're all told to eat, actually had higher rates of death. So I think, I think um, the whole theory around that has been debunked. And then, you know, we, we have to look at why certain studies show that meat was a problem. And this really has to do with the way studies are designed. We call these observational studies, meaning that we kind of observe people over a period of years and see what happens. We don't do an experiment where we give half people meat and half people vegetables or vegetarian diets. We just look over time to see who ate what and what happened. And the thing is, the meat eaters, at the time the studies were done, meat was considered not healthy. So people who ate meat didn't really care about their health. They smoked more, they drank more, they didn't exercise, they didn't eat fruits and vegetables, they ate more processed food, more sugar, they weighed more. Of course, they had more disease. But when you look at, for example, at meat eaters and vegetarians who shop at health food stores, both of them had their risk of death reduced in half. So I don't, I don't think that uh, you know, meat from the data is actually harmful at all. In fact, it, it may be beneficial for many, many reasons, including high nutrient density, high-quality protein, lots of antioxidants, and especially grass-fed meat. I think the issue of environmental impact is real, and I think we, we can't ignore that. And I think feedlot... Uh, you know, industrial animal farming is is harmful to our health and harmful to the environment in terms of climate change, pollution, water resource destruction, soil destruction, and so many things. But if you have, you know, grass-fed animal foods, they actually help restore the environment by sequestering carbon in the soils. They help produce higher quality meat, which is full of omega-3 fats and more antioxidants and nutrient dense. So I think that, you know, on the whole, we've gotten so confused about that, but that's really the bottom line is that meat isn't the boogeyman we thought. And in the context of an overall healthy diet, it's not the main course, but it certainly can be included as part of a healthy diet. Well, that that's well said, and I like your explanation. <clears throat> it was my observation that researchers went into this cholesterol, fat, butter, eggs, and salt issue with a narrative and that not all the data was revealed. And there's been a push more recently, I know you know this, um, that they have to reveal all their data. And I had not realized that that was happening. I knew that the studies were faulty that told us no salt, cholesterol, fat, eggs, and butter. I knew they were faulty, but I didn't understand exactly why they were. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And and I love to hear you say that people that have had an opinion based on faulty studies are willing to open their minds and say, whoops, we made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we've had a lot of these problems in medicine, and we, we, it's hard to turn the tide. You know, we believe that autism was caused by refrigerator mothers. We believe that ulcers were caused by stress, uh, not a bacteria. And we believe that heart disease was caused by fat. 
uh, and not sugar. And this is a really interesting story that developed in the 50s when Dr. Ansel Keys, who was a scientist at the time, looked at populations and tried to find a correlation between diet and heart disease. And he, he looked at seven countries, initially six countries and seven countries, in Europe, looking at their dietary patterns and the risk of heart attacks. And he found that the countries with the highest intakes of fat, and specifically saturated fat, had higher risks of heart disease. The problem was there were there was data for 22 countries that he ignored, uh, all but seven of them. And the countries he ignored were countries like France that consumed large amounts of butter and cream and saturated fat and had much lower risks of heart attacks. And Spain, for example, which also had high fat intakes and and so, uh, you know, it, it was a correlation, but didn't prove cause and effect. And based on that very slim data that was flawed, and he basically went to the conclusion that saturated fat is bad. And he was a very aggressive, um, kind of uh, very, very prominent and, and very uh, loud-spoken advocate of this approach. And he convinced the American Heart Association, he convinced the government, and that's what led to this sort of flood of policies that told us to eat low-fat foods. And uh, and then he actually did a study that was, was fascinating to try to prove the concept. And it was a study that was, was not published for 40 years. It was hidden in the basement of the researcher uh, at his house, and his son, who was a cardiologist, dug it up, on the uh, instigation of some scientists from the National Institute of Health, and and they reviewed the study last year was published after 40 years that compared. You have to understand, nutritional studies are extremely hard because you you know you can't take 10,000 people and stick them in a lab and feed half of them one diet and half of them another diet and see what happens over a couple of years or five years, right? People out out there living their lives, doing their thing, and it's hard to control and. Population studies don't prove cause and effect, but there was a study done in the late 60s, early 70s, where they where they took people in mental institutions, and it would be unethical to do it now. It wouldn't get approved. It wouldn't be publishable. But this study was done, and the data was there, and they gave people half of them saturated fat, and half of them uh, corn oil, vegetable oil, and they found that even though the cholesterol dropped on the corn oil diet, the rate of heart attacks and death went up. And the saturated fat group did far better. And they never published it because it contradicted their view. It is the most robust study on this topic that's been ever done because it's a randomized controlled trial in a, in a, in a hostage setting, in a sense. And it will never be done again. Uh, and so, so it's very compelling. And I think that compared with all the other data that's just proving this idea is, is really important. And, uh, you know, uh, I think that that's sort of what led us down this road. And at the same time, the sugar industry came out uh, and paid, they paid two Harvard scientists, the equivalent of $50,000, to write a review on sugar versus fat. And they found that it was fat that was the problem, not sugar, because sugar was starting to be recognized as a culprit, but it, it got completely squashed in this 1967 article in the New England Journal of Medicine, which didn't publish conflict of interest at the time. It would never get printed now. And then the guy who actually did that study ended up being the guy that was head of the USDA's Dietary Guidelines Committee. So basically, he was so pro-sugar and anti-fat that that's what led to these guidelines that said, cut the fat and eat low fat and eat tons of starch and carbs, like 6 to 11 servings of bread, rice, or pasta, which happened in 1980. And that's when you look at the hockey stick of diabetes and obesity just skyrocketing.
That's it. That is so accurate. And we are going to talk more about this. I do remember this very, very well. And if you've just tuned in, listeners, you're with The Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM, brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. I'm Dana Lake, your host for the hour. Please stay with us. We'll be right back after this brief break with more interesting information from Dr. Mark Hyman. Solgar Number no. 7 can help you feel the difference. Solgar Number no. 7 actually shows improvement in joint comfort within seven days. Now you can start to get back on track fast and pursue the activities you love. Solgar Number no. 7 is a breakthrough in joint care with no glucosamine and no chondroitin. The advanced bioactives in Solgar Number no. 7 help to increase flexibility, mobility, and range of motion within seven days. One capsule once a day is all you need. When stiff joints occasionally say no, Solgar Number no. 7 says yes. Solgar Number no. 7. Available at Village Green Apothecary. New from Garden of Life, Kind Organics Whole Food Multivitamins. They are the only USDA certified organic, non-GMO verified whole food multivitamins available. They're gluten-free, certified vegan, and feature a patent-pending clean tablet technology. Kind Organics is super clean, untreated, unadulterated, and real whole food. Kind Organics Multivitamins from Garden of Life. Be kind to your body and the earth. Kind Organics, now available at Village Green Apothecary and online at myvillagegreen.com. Are you under a lot of stress these days? Pressure from your job, personal life, politics. It can all take a serious toll on your health, but we can help. Village Green Apothecary can help you achieve a healthier lifestyle with our wide range of nutritional supplements, health-related books, and more. We've been providing customized nutrition and healthy living resources for over 50 years, and we'll take the time to advise you about your unique needs. Stop by Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or visit our website at myvillagegreen.com. Staying mentally sharp means nourishing the mind as well as the body. That's why there's new Cognosure from Metagenics. Research shows that the active natural ingredient in Cognosure supports multiple mechanisms necessary for maintaining healthy cognition and a healthy brain as it ages. Cognosure is also easy to take in delicious, chewable chocolate tablets. Have a clear and bright future by maintaining mental capacity with healthy habits and Cognisure. Remember Cognisure for healthy brain aging support. Available through your healthcare professional and Village Green Apothecary. Old Man Winter is on the way, but you can weather the storm by taking advantage of Village Green Apothecary's gear and sale. Now through the end of the year, you can save 35% off Pathway Nutrition products, 25% off other supplements, and 20% off body care products. Stock up on supplements to fight colds and flu and pick up some healthy living gifts for your friends and family, too. Visit Village Green Apothecary at 5415 West Cedar Lane in Bethesda or online at myvillagegreen.com or call us at 301-530-0800. Our big year-end sale will blow you away. Welcome back, listeners, to the second segment of the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM. The show is brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. And I want to remind you there, your resource for questions about your health via the website and the store on Cedar Lane. Now, we're here every Sunday morning. I'll be with you next Sunday discussing the root causes of today's health crisis. And our esteemed guest today is Dr. Mark Hyman. He's a physician, New York Times best-selling author 10 times, internationally recognized leader, speaker, educator, and advocate in the field of functional medicine. So we've been talking about a lot of the 
fallacies. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly was something I used to teach, and we talked about fat, yeah. and that's what you were talking about. So let's keep the conversation going, and we also want to cover your good book. Uh, tell us more about your new book. My new book is called Food, What the Heck Should I Eat?, which I think is really the culmination of a lot of my work. And it's, it's not a program, per se, but it's really a guide for people to understand the science of what, what we know today about nutrition and what we should actually be eating in each category. So it's sort of like a goof-proof strategy for, let's say, you want to eat meat. What should you eat? What dairy should you eat? What grains should you eat? What, so in every category, I go through how this all works. And I talk about why we're so confused. I talk about some of the politics of food. I talk about the environmental issues when we have when we choose food. For example, if, you know, if we buy uh, you know, avocados from Mexico, it might be good for us to know that you know, the way that the avocados are grown there creates big forest destruction, that, that the drug cartels are involved in protection and oppressing the workers. I mean, there's, there's interesting stuff like that in there. But mostly it's simply a guide on what the heck should I eat, and, and it's, it's done in a way that it's fun, it's interesting, and it, it's sort of surprising because a lot of the things that we believe are actually wrong. So we think oatmeal is a healthy breakfast, that eggs are bad for us, that you know we shouldn't be eating meat, that we should uh, cut down on saturated fat, and all those things are wrong. And, and yet the science um, is there, but the public perception and the doctors and nutritionists still sort of adhere to a lot of these old ideas, which die very hard. Yes. Uh, one of my favorite subjects is the hydrogenated oils, trans fatty acids. And I went to the University of Maryland, and they were one of the lead institutes and uh, institutions in studying hydrogenated oils. And at the time, it was hard to get published uh, because the Institute of Edible Oils and Shortening um, sat on the review board, even of FASB. And this that was my first realization that research wasn't clean and that we did we couldn't always trust what we were told um, I talk about hydrogenated oils a lot uh, could you just talk about it a little bit I think the listeners have probably heard enough from me oh sure I mean this is this is it's an interesting topic we, we invented something Crisco shortening way back when because it was a butter shortage and then we created this sort of new to nature, molecule called hydrogenated fat where you take vegetable oils and you inject hydrogen in high temperatures and under pressure that actually makes the vegetable more like butter. Then you get margarine and shortening. The problem is we never studied whether it was safe or not to eat. And about 50 plus years ago, almost 60 years ago, uh, a very prominent scientist started looking at the data and showing that it was concerning and how it was affecting our health and our cholesterol. And that data was pretty much ignored for 50 plus years and when he was 90 this doctor he sued he sued the government the FDA in order to get them to regulate this which is fascinating and they finally buckled down and said oh it's not safe to eat anymore we know it kills hundreds of thousands of people it's actually probably causes over 228,000 heart attacks a year not to mention obesity, diabetes, potentially cancer. And I think we really have to, uh, you know, look at the way we, we sort of think things are safe, like whether it's GMOs or trans fats, and then we later find out, oops, it's a problem. So 
there, there's absolutely no role for this. It's one of the most harmful things in our diet. And yet it's still on all the shelves. Even though the government has sort of said it's not safe to eat, effectively, you know, telling food companies they can't put it in the food, it is still in the food until who knows when. Maybe they gave them, you know, runway. They, they, maybe they're supposed to be out in 2018, but, like, I, you know, it's not happening. And I still go to the grocery store, and I still see this stuff in there. Uh, and then they, they swap out other things, which may be even worse. So I think, I think uh, it's really one of, the, one of the big failures of our food policy and the FDA and, and food science. And it's an, an illustrative example of how we really need to think differently about how, how this all works. Yes, I think the data is really clear. When we stopped eating as many eggs and as much butter and as much saturated fat, we replaced it with hydrogenated oils, which quadrupled, and heart attacks soared. And I can't believe yeah. no one saw realized what that data was telling us. So I'm glad your explanation is is excellent. Give us some examples of what to eat in different categories, a few examples. I like listeners to go away from the show saying, I learned something, sure. I can change my life right now. Sure, sure. Let's take dairy, for example. Our government tells us to have three glasses of milk a day for every adult and two glasses for every kid. And yet there is no data to support that recommendation. In fact, only data that supports it is from the Dairy Council, and the government got in collusion with the Dairy Council because in the first guidelines there was no mention of dairy. They partnered with them. They created the Got Milk ads. These are funded by taxpayers to promote an industrial food product. And the, the reality is that, that we know that the dairy doesn't make strong bones, that it may cause cancer, that it causes irritable bowel and digestive problems for many people, that it creates inflammation and acne and eczema and allergies and so many, and that a lot of it has to do with, with um, you know, the, the inflammatory nature of dairy, the fact that it contains over 60 hormones naturally occurring that actually are promoting growth in calves, but it's not nature's perfect food, and it doesn't do a body good, as the ads say. And in fact, you know, this is not my opinion. These are Harvard nutrition scientists who've written editorials in the Journal of the American Medical Association saying that there's no evidence that this works. And skim milk is even worse because it promotes weight gain in kids. People, people, kids are having low-fat skim chocolate milk, which is basically almost as much sugar as a soda. And, and so we, we have to rethink that. So the question is, if you want to eat dairy, what dairy should you eat? Well, we've hybridized the cows. In other words, we've We've created this sort of mono cow, which you know generally is fertilized by the sperm of a, some massive great bull somewhere <laughs> through artificial insemination. They bred the cows so that they're they have a much higher milk production, and they actually have something called A1 casein, which is a form of a protein in the dairy that causes so many of the problems. And the A1 casein is more inflammatory, more digestive issues, more risk of cancer, and 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 in other cow varieties, there were was something called A2 casein, which are these heirloom cows that are hard to find. The good news is A1 casein is in, is in most traditional dairy, but you can get goat's milk or sheep's milk, which has more A2 casein, which is not as inflammatory. So I recommend that people don't have consumed dairy, that they, if they want to consume dairy, they should only have grass-fed, ideally from heirloom cows. And if, if they want it an easy out, they can have sheep and goat's cheese or milk or yogurt. And those are much better than, than consuming regular dairy. So there's an example of, in a food category, you know, why you shouldn't eat the current dairy and why it may be okay to eat some of these other dairies if you tolerate it. Um, 
same thing with with grains. You know, we were we're told to eat lots of grains, and uh, again, the government recommendations have now switched to whole grains. But what they really mean is some whole grain flakes and some processed food. You know, whole wheat cookie crisp cereal is actually a real product that has 22 grams of sugar, which is six teaspoons of sugar in a serving for a kid every morning. And, and you know, I mean, think about it. Would you put six teaspoons of sugar in your coffee in the morning? But that's what we're giving our kids for breakfast. It's not breakfast. It's dessert. And so the these whole grain foods actually um, may be a problem because they're not really whole grains. And then the question is, what about other grains that may be problematic, like gluten? So if you're going to eat grains, what grains should you eat? How much should you eat? Uh, and I think, you know, for many reasons, gluten has been more and more of an issue for many, many people. We're being recognizing it causes gut damage and inflammation, even if you don't have celiac, and that it's really possible for us to, to change our diets to eat more of the good whole grains, things like brown rice or black rice, quinoa, buckwheat, amaranth, teff. These are other grains that might be helpful, but again, they shouldn't be a staple. You shouldn't be having two cups a day of grains. Uh, the average American has 133 pounds of flour a day, I mean a year. That's a lot of flour. That's like, you know, probably a third of a pound or more of flour every day, and, and that's killing us. And I think that, that eating whole grains of a certain type is, is potentially a good part of your diet, but it's, it's not a staple. Yes. So those are two examples of foods, for example, dairy and grains that people worry about. Yes, uh, I also like uh, your comment that uh, there are fat vegans, and this has been one of my <laughs> pet peeves. And can you describe? I like that you said it that way. Uh, some, sometimes I call it sarcopenic obesity. Nobody understands yeah. that. So fat yeah. vegans make sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's you know, listen. There are a lot of vegans that are healthy and that are good, but I think the truth is that we we really really have to understand that it's the quality of the food that matters more than anything else and that we have not really uh, focused on that for people and that that people can be vegan and have Doritos, Coke, and, and you know, pretzels, right? <laughs> That's not a healthy diet. Uh, and that, that if you're eat, a vegan, you're also getting often higher amounts of starch and not everybody's able to tolerate that because many of us have, have a risk of prediabetes and inflammation and uh, really, really get into trouble around the quality of the food we eat. So, so yeah, vegans tend to have more cravings for sugar, more sugar in their diet, more carbohydrates. And there are people who do very high-fat, vegan, low-carb diets, and they do well. They, they have better weight loss. They have better cholesterol profiles. But if you're a low-fat vegan, you're going to get into big trouble. Yes, well said. Well, we're going to keep this conversation going in the next segment. And for those of you who've just tuned in, you're with The Essentials of Healthy Living. I'm Dana Lake, your host for the hour. We're talking with Dr. Mark Hyman, who's a physician, New York Times bestselling author, and internationally recognized leader, speaker, educator, and advocate in the field of functional medicine. Please stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. MegaFood Premium Whole Food Supplements are the only supplements crafted from scratch with farm-fresh whole foods to deliver nourishment the way nature intended. MegaFood believes Mother Nature knows best. They select only fresh whole food, harvested at the peak of ripeness, handle it gently and with care to deliver its vital essence to you in every bottle. MegaFood, from farm to tablet, 
Our name is our promise. For more information, visit us online at megafood.com. Zymogen is pleased to announce the arrival of Fit Food, a delicious, high-quality, functional food that's formulated to support weight management, healthy body composition, glycemic management, cardiovascular and immune health, and more. Each delicious serving of Fit Food contains 21 grams of pure New Zealand-sourced bioactive whey protein, 6 grams of fiber-immune-supporting oat beta-glucan, and additional glutamine, glycine, taurine, and MCTs. Fit Food provides holistic support for today's active body. Learn more at Zymogen.com. Available now through your healthcare professional and Village Green Apothecary. All over the world, people are beginning to discover fish oil is one of the best secrets for unlocking great health. Thousands of studies have shown the amazing effects of these powerful omega-3s for heart health. Plus, fish oils have even been shown to balance moods and lessen anxiety. With exceptional taste, unrivaled freshness, and unsurpassed purity, Nordic Naturals is the easy way to get your omega-3s every day. To learn more, visit Village Green Apothecary or visit NordicNaturals.com. Nordic Naturals, committed to the planet, committed to pure and great-tasting omega oils. The brain requires nutrition just like the rest of the body. And this is where Gero Formula's NeuroOptimizer comes to the rescue. NeuroOptimizer is a concentrated source of nutrients needed for memory, mood, concentration, and focus. NeuroOptimizer supplies the building blocks for neurotransmitters, the chemicals that allow cells in the brain to communicate and to file away memories. NeuroOptimizer is the nutritional answer to the brain's needs. To learn more about formulas, visit Gero.com. Gero Formulas, available at Village Green apothecary put a little more jingle in your pocket by taking advantage of village green apothecary's year end sale from now until the end of the year you can save 35 percent off pathway nutrition products 25 percent off other supplements and 20 percent off body care products give the gift of good health to the people you care about and stock up on healthy living essentials for yourself too visit village green apothecary in bethesda at 5415 west cedar lane or on the web at myvillagegreen.com or just give us a jingle at 301-530-0800. Welcome back to the third segment of the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM. We're brought to you by Village Green Apothecary. I'm Dana Lake, alternating the show with Dr. Kevin Pissarro. We're here every week, and we will be here again next Sunday morning at 10 AM. And I'll be with you then discussing the root causes of today's health crisis. We've been talking to Dr. Mark Hyman, And we're talking about his book, Food, What the Heck Should I Eat? We've been covering that uh, the government has not always given us the best advice. Let's talk more about that, Dr. Hyman. Oh, well, (laughs) I wish everything was based on science and science-informed policy. But sadly, money in politics has corrupted the system in such a way that we have recommendations that don't match the science. We talked earlier about three glasses of milk a day per person, and there's no evidence that this is effective. Uh, and what happened this year, which is quite, or last year, which is quite exciting, which is that the Congress commissioned the National Academy of Sciences, which is the most highly regarded independent scientific group in the country, to review the way in which our dietary guidelines are developed. And they found that the process is corrupt, that it's unduly influenced by industry, that members of the committees that make the recommendations work for the food industry, like the dairy uh, industry, for example, and that they've ignored 
huge swaths of data that, that are really important, such as the fact that saturated fat is no longer the boogeyman or that, that, that um, you know, we shouldn't be eating tons of cereal grains, that they're linked to disease. So I think that the recommendations don't match the science. So it's no wonder we're confused. And those programs also become part of our all of our food programs from food stamps to school lunches to women's infants and children's health programs all the federally funded food programs whether it's the military or everything is is all driven by these guidelines so they're really corrupt and they really don't match the science and so of course we're confused and we shouldn't be very suspicious and always follow the money and always you know follow the science and i think that's changing so now the guidelines process before the 2020 guidelines come out which is every five years are going to be changed, and we're going to see a very different view of how things look. I hope. Uh, I mean, I'm optimistic, but who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> and I think I think we have to sort of take a step back and say, okay, what does the science really tell us about all this? I, I think it's 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 un- unfortunate, but I think we're we're gonna we're gonna um, you know really send a, a, a new message to Americans by getting the right uh, information out there. And I, I I'm excited about that. I'm really excited about that. I am too. Um, I I have an interest in the fact that people are different. And if you look at natural diets and natural societies all over the world, they they have something in common. They're local local foods. They're often natural, organic. They there's not a lot of processing that goes on because they don't have access to it. And there are high-fat diets. The Eskimo diet's extremely yeah. high-fat. Yeah. And low-fat diets and higher-protein, lower-protein. Talk a little bit about the uniquenesses among individuals. Well, we're all a little bit different. But at the end of the day, um, humans are designed to run on real food. And then when we introduce food-like substances, which are industrial food products, whether it's, um, you know, soda or whether it's, you know, refined, uh, you know, processed uh, wheat, uh, corn, and soy, which is essentially the commodities that are consumed by most Americans. I mean, 60% of our calories come from those crops in the form typically of white flour, high fructose corn syrup, and hydrogenated or refined soybean oil. And those have all been linked to disease. In fact, the people who consume most of the uh, higher amounts of these government-sponsored and subsidized foods have the highest rates of disease. So I think, I think we really have to, to understand that our bodies are designed to work on real, whole, fresh foods. And I, I often, you know, give talks at churches, and I'll say it's really easy to figure out what to eat. Just ask yourself the question when you pick something up, did God make this or did man make it? You know, did God make an avocado? Yes. Did God make a Twinkie? No. It's something even a five-year-old could figure out. And I think when we, when we sort of stop and just eat real food and we kind of covered 90% of what we need to worry about. And then, of course, you mentioned, you know, high fat versus low fat. I think, you know, typically fat's been prized by most societies, and whether it's uh, bone marrow, hunters and gatherers suck out the bone marrow, it's the first thing they eat, or animals go for the liver, which is the most fatty and nutritious food when they when they hunt. I think we, we have to eat, uh, you know, more in, in the traditional ways that we have, which is not typically, you know, low fat. And I think... Um, really, when you look at the principles, which I've laid out in my book called Food, What the Heck Should I Eat, which is what we're all worried about, uh, people can really use common sense combined with evolutionary biology, combined with 
our current science and, and come up with a way of eating that just is sustainable, that's not extreme, that's, that's really delicious, and that, and that really is important for reversing this epidemic of chronic disease, which is affecting, you know, one out of two uh, Americans and globally is increasing. And so in terms of individuality, yes, there are some people that are carbohydrate intolerant. And I think, you know, we see 70% of Americans overweight. A lot of those people are carbohydrate intolerant and they eat carbohydrates, their insulin goes high, they end up storing belly fat, which is a good thing and adaptive in a scarce environment when there's food scarcity, not where we have food abundance like we do today. So I think we do have to individualize our approach to some degree. But at the end of the day, if we start with the simple principles of eating real whole food, lots of plant foods, eating you know the right kinds of each category, what are the right you know meats to eat, what are the right grains to eat, what are the right dairy to eat, what's the right... Uh, beans to eat, what are the right vegetables to eat, you know, fruits and so forth. So that's what the book is about. It's about breaking down each of these areas in very simple, common-sense ways. We don't eat ingredients. We eat food. So in each food area, what are the foods we should focus on? And then we mix and match and can, can deal with our preferences. But really, it's not, it's not so bad. Well, it is, it's good advice, and it's certainly something we talk a lot about on the show. Mention your advice on salt because this is a, another, uh, this is a nutrient that's regulated by the body, as is cholesterol. And let's talk about the new regulations or recommendations on salt. Yeah, well, I think, I think you know, we, again, kind of jumped the gun and saying salt is bad and making all these assumptions. But the truth is we need salt. Uh, we need a lot of potassium. We need the right balance, which comes from a lot of plant foods. But if you're eating salt in the context of corporation food, right, food that's made by corporations, they add a lot of salt because they want to make it taste good because otherwise the ingredients are tasteless, right? They add a lot of sugar and salt. And that's how people tend to eat these things. But when you look at the science of salt, there's a guy named uh, Joe Nicol, Joe Nicol Antonio, who, I mean, um, uh, James Nicol Antonio, who wrote a book called The Salt Fix, which challenges a lot of our assumptions. And I think there are certain people that are salt sensitive, but it's the minority. And I think most of us need uh, uh, salt on our whole food. I wouldn't eat a low salt diet. And, and I mean, yes, you don't want to eat industrial processed food, which has a lot of added salt, but it's not the salt that you add to your food that's the problem. It's the salt added by corporations. Exactly. The preservatives you're speaking about. Mm-hmm. You also mentioned the pagan diet. Can you describe that? Sure. You know, one, one day I was sitting on a panel with a friend of mine who was a cardiologist and, and a vegan. Another was a paleo doctor, and they were arguing back and forth. And I was in the middle. I'm like sort of joking. I said, you know, if you're pagan and you're paleo and you're vegan, then I must be a pagan. Because, uh, you know, I'm like, this is all kind of nuts. And, you know, if you follow what the paleo folks say, if you eat like a vegan, you're going to die. And if you eat with the, follow the vegan folks, you're going to, well, if you eat paleo, you're going to die. So they can't both be right, right? <clears throat> so I, I just sort of make a spoof of it. And then I talk about what are the things we all agree about? What are the simple principles? And there's really 12, you know, simple principles that we should be following that, that are, are pretty simple. One, we should be not eating a diet that's high glycemic that raises your blood sugar, whether it's starch, sugar, anything that does that is a problem. Two, we should be eating lots of plant foods. You know, most of our plate should be vegetables, non-starchy vegetables. Three, we should be eating good fats. We should be eating, you know, good quality fats, avocados, nuts and seeds. We should be eating fish oil. We should be eating uh, olive oil. We should be having 
coconut oil, and even grass-fed fats from animals is fine. Uh, but we shouldn't be eat, eating refined vegetable oils, all the things that we're told to eat by our government, eating refined vegetable oils, which we never ate 100 years ago. We've seen a 1,000% increase in soybean oil. It's 10% of our calories from refined foods. We never ate that. Uh, we shouldn't be eating things that have a lot of preservatives, additives, chemicals, hormones, antibiotics. Um, these are things which, you know, we have three pounds of food additives per year, per person. It's ridiculous. The average kid, by the time they're five, has seven pounds of food additives from colors and dyes and preservatives. These things are not well tested, and they're not well measured, and they're in our food supply. So I think, you know, simple principles like that. When you eat grains, you should eat grains that probably are non-gluten, that are, that are uh, you know, whole grains. When you eat beans, you should eat the less starchy beans. When you eat fruit, you should eat the ones that are, aren't as, have much sugar in them. And those are simple principles that are, are really applicable across a wide range of eating preferences that don't exclude anything. If you're going to eat dairy, like what should you eat, right? Should you eat, you know, regular cow dairy or should you be having sheep or goat and should you be having grass-fed? So I go through all of that in these principles and it's a really, really awesome way to actually find out to, to sort of eat a simple way that's sustainable forever. You have boiled it down uh, very nicely and... Uh, for those that have just tuned in, you're with the third segment of the Essentials of Healthy Living. We'll be right back after this break with more interesting information from Dr. Mark Hyman. Solgar Number no. 7 can help you feel the difference. Solgar Number no. 7 actually shows improvement in joint comfort within seven days. Now you can start to get back on track fast and pursue the activities you love. Solgar Number no. 7 is a breakthrough in joint care with no glucosamine and no chondroitin. The advanced bioactives in Solgar Number no. 7 help to increase flexibility, mobility, and range of motion within seven days. One capsule once a day is all you need. When stiff joints occasionally say no, Solgar Number no. 7 says yes. Solgar Number no. 7. Available at Village Green Apothecary. New from Garden of Life, Kind Organics Multivitamins. That's right, certified organic. Made with the highest quality standards. Uncooked, untreated, unadulterated. Non-GMO certified, vegan, and gluten-free. Kind Organics Multivitamins from Garden of Life. Be kind to your body and the earth. Kind Organics. Now available at Village Green Apothecary and online at myvillagegreen.com. Ah, the joy of commuting in Washington. Whether you work on the hill or outside the beltway, you know how stressful it is to get around. Stress can take a serious toll on your health and Village Green Apothecary can help. We offer over 10,000 healthy living products, including top quality nutritional supplements, herbal remedies, and more. Our nutritionists and pharmacists offer a personalized approach to help you with your health needs. Stop by Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or visit our website at myvillagegreen.com. Some things are hard to stomach, and life doesn't stop for occasional immune challenges or intestinal distress. ProBalarti from Metagenics offers a new targeted probiotic approach for intestinal support. Help maintain control while traveling or as a follow-up to antibiotic therapy to support intestinal flora for healthy intestinal function. ProBalarti provides ID-certified probiotic strains suggested by research to enhance certain aspects of immune function in addition to promoting a healthy balance of intestinal microflora. ProBalarti is the go-to probiotic for patients on the go. Get it today. Available through your healthcare professional and Village Green Have apothecary. you ever wondered why the cold and flu season occurs in the fall and winter months? One theory is because of a decrease in sun exposure, our bodies don't make enough vitamin D, which is essential to proper immune function. 
That's why medical experts recommend supplementing with vitamin D. Thorne Research's vitamin D products are made from pure vitamin D with no preservatives or unnecessary ingredients added. Support your immune system with Thorne's vitamin D1000 and D5000. These and other immune-supporting formulas are always available at Village Green. Welcome, listeners, back to today's final segment of the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM. We are brought to you by Village Green Apothecary at 5415 West Cedar Lane in Bethesda, Maryland. I'm Dana Lake, alternating the show and reminding you that we're here every Sunday morning at 10 AM. Today, our esteemed guest is Dr. Mark Hyman. His book, Food, What the Heck Should I Eat?, has been the core of our discussion today. And he's talked about the politics and how the recommendations from uh, on the dietary recommendations through the government have been not based in science. And we're finally turning that around. So, Dr. Hyman, let's talk about the calorie issue, because most people were taught the fewer calories, the better. Yeah, well, we were taught that. I mean, it's all about calories in, calories out, um, and that, you know, weight loss is, is going to happen if you eat less and exercise more. Uh, and the food industry loves this message. This is the message of the dietitians in America, the message of most doctors, the, certainly our guidelines from the government all tell us to eat less and exercise more. And the reason the food industry loves it because it doesn't matter if you eat your calories from Coca-Cola or Twinkies, uh, as long as you don't go over your calorie count. And I think this is a whole flawed model, and it's failed. And it's why we see massive obesity in this country, because we're pushing the wrong solution. And it's not about how much you eat. It's about what you eat. And if we focus on what you eat, the how much takes care of itself. Uh, we, for example, know that, that certain calories actually cause you to gain weight and cause you to be hungry and affect your brain chemistry in bad ways that makes you want to eat more and more, and it locks fat in your fat cells. And those calories are starch and sugar calories, whether it's flour, or the 133 pounds we eat of that, or the 152 pounds of sugar we eat per person per year. These are drugs that are causing our biology to malfunction and store fat. And on the other hand, fat calories, which, by the way, most people have said eat low fat because it has more calories, almost more than twice as much as carbs or protein. If you cut the fat, you're going to cut calories, you're going to lose weight. That has backfired. We now know that fat doesn't make you fat. The fat actually speeds up your metabolism, that it releases fat from your fat cells, that it cuts your hunger and makes you feel full so you don't want to overeat, and that it's not about calories in, calories out. It's about the quality of the calories. And we focus on what to eat, not how much it'll solve itself. So eating whole foods, real foods, getting rid of the triggers for craving and hunger, uh, which is really the key. This is the starch and sugar, potatoes, rice, pasta, bread, sugar, starch. All those foods are driving our biology to gain weight, calorie for calorie. I mean, Dr. David Ludwig from Harvard did a study where he took a group of people, fed them a 60% uh, carb diet, and then swapped it and a very, you know, 10% fat and 30% protein and then swapped out, swapped out the same group to a different diet after a period of time of measuring everything. And this is the best kind of study you can do. It's called a crossover trial. You take one group of people, you do one diet on them, same group of people, you do a different diet on them and see how it affects them. So you're, you're getting a very good idea of what's happening. It's very controlled. 
and the group that had the 60% fat, 10% carbs, the opposite, actually sped up their metabolism by 300 calories a day. That's like running an hour a day without getting off the couch. And their blood sugar got better, their insulin got better, their cholesterol got better, their inflammation got better. Everything got better on the 60% fat diet, which we think of as crazy. And, and that's because the quality of the calories matter. They were eating exactly the same calories, but had profoundly different effects on their biology. Interesting. That's a fascinating study. And you've been talking about the glycemic sugar-raising diet. Uh, Most people are not aware that that excess glucose gets converted by insulin to triglycerides, and then they think they have a fat problem, and it's not. Can you talk more about that? Sure. We we, we just, like, have all these uh, paradoxical things in medicine. We think, well, if you eat cholesterol it'll raise your cholesterol. If you eat fat, it'll increase the fat in your blood. But actually, that's the opposite. It's starch and sugar that turn on the fat production factory in your liver. It's called lipogenesis, and that actually causes you to produce high levels of triglycerides, get a fatty liver, have really bad types of cholesterol, lowers your good cholesterol. And this is from eating starch and sugar. If you eat saturated fat from meat, for example, it doesn't raise the saturated fats in your blood. It's the sugar and starch that do that. This is just basic biochemistry. This is not some massive new discovery. This is just basic stuff that if we remembered our biochemistry, we would all actually be understanding. And, and I think that's really important to understand. That it's, it's not so simple as you eat fat, you get fat, you eat fat, you get cholesterol in your blood. It's the opposite. It's starch and sugar that do it, not the fat. And so good protein intake, uh, plant-based, and we can have the seafood and the meats as well. Good fiber and good fat keep blood sugar stable, and we're more satisfied is what I'm hearing you say. Absolutely, absolutely. You don't have to worry about how much you eat. You have to worry about what you eat, and the quality of the calories matters far more and the, and the calories. This is not just my idea. This is well, well documented in the science. Dr. David Ludwig has written a book about this called Always Hungry. Uh, I talk about this in my book, uh, uh, you know, um, Food, What the Heck Should I Eat, which is coming out in February 27, 2018. And it's, uh, it's really, really an important thing for people to understand in order to get healthy. They have to know what to eat and what of each category to eat and not be sucked up by mis- uh, sort of information from the media or from the government or the food industry or scientists, which are often leading people down the wrong direction. So I think this is really just a review of 30-plus years of my work with patients and research, and uh, it's, pre- it's a pretty sensible, you know, easy-to-follow approach that, that sort of removes all the sort of nonsense about this diet or that diet. It talks about the quality of the food we're eating and how it impacts us. Well said, and I know you get asked this question frequently, so I'll ask it on behalf of our listeners. What do you eat, Dr. Hyman? What's your day like? Well, my day typically looks like um, a Whole Foods day. Uh, I start the day with a couple of different breakfasts. I might do what I call a fat shake, which is nuts and seeds, chia seeds, hemp seeds, pumpkin seeds. I'll use frozen blackberries, uh, which are much higher antioxidant content, or wild blueberries, I'll throw in some coconut butter, maybe some almond butter to make it a little creamy, some milkadamia milk, which is from macadamia nuts, uh, put it all in the blender and have that. Or I'll have like some whole pasture-raised eggs, not pasteurized, but 
pasture-raised eggs, which are dark yolks or farm eggs if I can get them. And, uh, and then I'll have some avocado and sliced tomato with a little olive oil, salt and pepper. And, then, and that's pretty my standard breakfast. Sometimes I'll have a nut butters uh, on a piece of like uh, rice cracker or maybe some whole kernel rye, which is made from whole kernels, not flour. And then um, lunch, I'll often have what I call a fat salad, which is and I and I and I actually have a, a recipe cooking videos on this and everything's on my website at drhyman.com. Um, and I and I make you know just, I I don't have a lot of time, so I just make stuff quickly. And I'll take you know a pre-washed arugula. I'll take some cherry tomatoes. I don't have to slice up. I'll throw in some pumpkin seeds. I'll throw in some olives. I'll slice an avocado. Throw it in there. And I'll have a can of wild salmon on top or maybe a can of sardines on the side. That's my typical lunch. And dinner is usually a piece of protein such as um, chicken or fish, organic, uh, or, and low-mercury fish or grass-fed meat occasionally. And then I'll have usually two or three sides of vegetables. So it's the meat and the protein is like a side dish. But I'll have, you know, stir-fried broccolini. I'll have some roasted eggplant or some mushrooms. I'll make a salad on top of that. So I'll typically eat three to four vegetable dishes and like a small piece of protein and maybe a piece of chocolate for dessert. That's pretty much it. I can do that when I travel. I bring food with me. I go to restaurants that I can pick. I'm, I'm, I tend to be the, the, the sort of guy who likes to pick the restaurants. You can take that job on, and it's people who should be grateful uh, so I think it's really simple to eat uh, well. It doesn't take a lot of time or money or effort. It just takes a little bit of knowledge and planning. Well said, and thank you for being on the show. We will definitely have you back. You always have good information for us, and I just want to thank you again. This has been an excellent uh, interview, and I think our listeners learned a lot. Of course. Thank you for having me. Everybody should check out the book, Food, What the Heck Should I Eat? And your website, drhyman.com. And I want to thank you listeners for joining us here on the Essentials of Healthy Living on 1500 AM and remind you about Dr. Joseph Pizzorno's new book, The Toxin Solution, How Hidden Poisons in the Air, Water, Food, and Products We Use Are Destroying Our Health and What We Can Do to Fix It. Long title, but it tells you what's in the book. And I want to remind you, you can access this show or any of the previous shows through myvillagegreen.com. As our lives move forward, and since we're in the beginning of the new year, I think about this more. I am reminded that every day's a new day. Every minute's a new minute, giving us many opportunities to make positive, health-enhancing choices. And you learned a lot of those today. Please remember, it's not the number of breaths you take. It's the moments that take your breath away. This is Dana Lake and Village Green wishing each and every one of you good health and a breathtaking day. Did you know at Village Green Apothecary, we offer everyday savings on top quality nutritional supplements, including herbs and homeopathic remedies, plus personal care products and more. That's right. In addition to our big sales events, you can save up to 20% on most everything you need for a healthier lifestyle today and every day. At Village Green, we care about our customers. We've been providing the best nutrition and healthy living products for over 50 years. Stop by Village Green Apothecary in Bethesda at 5415 West Cedar Lane or visit our website at myvillagegreen.com.